0: Welcome to the Manic Vitalik Podcast, where we respect fashion's past, analyze fashion's present, and get excited about fashion's future. I'm Liberty Amhoff, founder and creative principal of Fashion Media Company Manic Vitalik. Once a week, we'll bring you episodes about exciting things happening in fashion, discussion about current things facing the industry, and the places and people that have made the fashion industry great. We'll have a mixture of episodes with guest interviews and solo episodes, all designed to challenge your assumption of what fashion is, who it is for. And who can participate in this industry? Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at The Manic Metallic Podcast and at Manic Metallic. We'll link in our show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to The Manic Metallic Podcast. I'm Liberty, your host. Today's episode, episode 45, sees us talking to fashion writer Kevin Robles. Kevin currently lives in Paris and works in Celine's e-commerce department. He is also the fashion editor of Fashion Articles Space, where he shares his fashion viewpoints via writing. One of his primary goals is to make luxury inclusive. We packed a lot into this time that we had in conversation. Let's welcome Kevin to the podcast. Kevin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, I know that we've been wanting to get together for a long while to collab and this is us doing that. so. Let our listeners know a bit about you, just summarizing a couple of sentences, what your involvement is with fashion. What are you doing in the industry?
1: Sure. So I live in Paris. I am an e-commerce ambassador at Celine by Edie Siman. I work in client services where I essentially manage people's claims. I offer my callers a heavy amount of style advice when they ask and I educate them about new collections and basically everything that has to do with leather goods. I also am a fashion editor. I run a platform that's called FashionArticleSpace.com. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you're clearly very busy having those new <laughs> things.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely have a lot going on these days.
0: Right. So, give us an idea. Again, you're doing a couple of different things. You're working for Celine, and you also have Fashion Article Space. So. Tell us about how you came to be interested in fashion. Tell us about your early life and how that influenced you to enter this industry.
1: Sure. So I guess my interest in fashion overall started just when I was hanging out with my friends. I moved to the U.S. actually to Florida from Peru back in 2001 so one of the ways that I became friends with a lot of the people that I'm still in contact with from back in those days was through clothing, by going to the mall or by going to the food court. Back in two thousand. Uh, It was a little bit, well, it's probably the same still, but we would spend a lot of time, for example, going into like the really cool Hollister stores back then and the Abercrombie and Fitch. And it was like going to a club with the loud music and a lot of time people in your schools would be also working there. So it was just nice to see them. And then I just kind of started to fall in love with surfing and the beach and, and all of these crazy things. I wanted to become a surfer at one point. No? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not what I ended up doing. I don't go to the beach as much as I would love. But yeah, it was really through friendships and just that time after school or on the weekends when we were just walking around. And then after that, well, I kept pursuing that and I started to get into magazines. And I guess I remember once uh, that a friend of mine went to New York and she came back and I sort of commented on her look. And she told me that if I basically wanted to see real fashion, that I should just move to New York. And <laughs> that sort of became everything I wanted to do. And that's what I would post about on it on MySpace back then. And then eventually Facebook. And I would just go on YouTube and watch videos and all of that cheesy stuff.
0: <laughs> all right. Yeah, I never did get to get into MySpace when I was younger, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, I that it, it was a pretty cool scene, but... I didn't get into social media until Facebook and only then because that's what my college mates were doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely love to play around with it. But it was just it was so different than or maybe it's not different. But back then, everything with MySpace was about ranking. And so you would have to basically rank your friends as one, two, three, who your best friend of that week. Top
0: eight, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I would hate that idea of having to rank my friends. You know, I, at my wedding this past May, I didn't even have bridesmaids, because I didn't want to have to rank my friends. Like, who's my favorite, you're going to be in my wedding. So
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, it it definitely, I think, set the ground for a lot of social media today. But I don't know, it was just, it was interesting to do back then. And Social media has definitely become a bigger part of our life since.
0: Yeah, I actually have a couple of questions about social media and its effect on fashion for you a bit later on. So we'll definitely get back to that. But it sounds like your interest in fashion then came first as a way to connect with your friends. Is that right? And then you became more interested in the industry itself?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was really also just drawn to the idea of dressing up. I really enjoyed it. It was definitely something important in my family. And I also just liked the movies and then just what was going on during that time, I think really made a mark on me. There was a financial crisis. So you would just see all of these people from Wall Street. And that's definitely one piece of news that I followed. And then I was also just watching the Devil Wears Prada and then fantasizing about what a sex in the city life would be like. So it was all of these things. And then I think it was also just letting go of that Hollister, Abercrombie & Fitch era that I sort of went through.
0: That was a good thing to get rid of that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, it was getting rid of that and sort of dressing a little bit more cohesively and then just eventually having to grow up from that and not dress so kiddy and wanting to be a surfer, but actually I guess, you know, eventually dress up for prom and all of that. And I was lucky to stay with the same group of friends throughout middle school and high school. So those were good times.
0: All right. So before I go on, you mentioned the impact that fashion and films had on you. So what are a couple of your favorite fashion films? Or or I should say films that emphasize fashion?
1: Um, (laughs) I think The Devil Wears Prada, for me, is the obvious answer just because it's so funny and also because it touches on Fashion Week and publishing. And I think that it's also just really good entertainment and it makes people sort of dream about what working in this industry is like. And there are some parts that are very true. It also is just a really good film to sort of enjoy. I also really liked Marie Antoinette because it touches on French culture and the revolution. Oh gosh, and I still uh, haven't
0: seen that one.
1: No, you have to. It's yeah, a oh, It's really how, good. It's a classic.
0: How have I missed Marie Antoinette?
1: Um, the costumes are great. I definitely, if you watch it for one reason, do it for the costumes.
0: I will certainly do that. I hear that Kirsten Dunst, I believe, played Marie Antoinette. I think she did a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, yeah. She was really good in it. I also really liked Wall Street, just because I liked the suits and all of that. And that also made me want to move to New
0: York. Of course, you got to get that menswear in there. So that's how you got interested in fashion. Now, talk to us about, okay, you know that you like the industry, potentially you'll want to work in it. How did you get to where you are right now in fashion? Walk us through that timeline
1: a bit. Sure, Um, so I eventually ended up moving to New York when I was 19, so 10 years ago. And I was working in telemarketing for a court reporting agency. So I would basically be calling lawyers all day. So you get the phone hung up on you very often, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then I ended up going on vacation to the beach and I met a designer who was needing an intern. And so I volunteered He had worked in styling and he had worked at Harper's Bazaar. And so I said, that's exactly what I love and that's what I want to do. So I signed up to work for this designer. And so I did exactly what you do in the Devil product, which is run around with garment bags, you know, (laughs) with (laughs) magazine assistants because they're setting up their shoots. So you're trying to get the piece shot and you're packing boxes and sending it to the magazine headquarters. And then you're coordinated for it to come back and then you're playing the next shoot. And then, so that really taught me a lot. That taught me about how press works and just how fast it is, but also just about presentation and, you know, communications, especially with the magazines, because they handle so much and they handle so much so fast. So that was great logistics training. And then it just got me more, I think, more comfortable with myself and also more comfortable with... With uh, the industry that I liked and being around creatives and not taking everything for face value, but also understanding that there's a lot of humor involved and people do tend to love what they're doing and that definitely helps. But then I ended up wanting to pursue um, my studies a little bit more extensively. So I moved to Paris and I studied business and then I did uh, internships in media and then after i finished my masters i applied to a lot of jobs and i finally ended up at Celine
0: All right so the takeaway here for everyone that's listening is to go to the beach and then you'll meet someone <laughs> in fashion and then that's how you'll get into the industry <laughs> Just go to the beach <laughs> You
1: you definitely have to have some luck but i guess those things did connect after all <laughs>
0: Right. So something that you said in there about just being around other creatives. And I feel like that's something that is heavily underrated when you're going into another industry that, yeah, maybe you're switching into it because you came from telemarketing. It's super important to immerse yourself in what it is that you're moving towards and wanting to work in, especially for creative people, because there are so many people especially in the United States, not to call America out, but it's true. There's so many people here that are either not as creative or that feel that they can't fully accept creativity. And that's why I believe that just being around other people in your industry, and in our case, fashion, that clearly love what they do and are excited about it, and that can just keep you motivated to go on from day to day is really, really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that in this industry, if you're working as an intern or if you're working in a junior position, a senior position, I think it's really important to collaborate with your team. And even if you want to pivot onto fashion, I think that one of the first key things that you have to to do at any role really is work with a team. That definitely helps keep the day sometimes a little bit lighter. And also, it's essential for a work day.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you're at Celine now. Could you give our listeners a closer look at how it was that anything that you feel comfortable sharing, how it was that you got that position? Because Celine's a pretty important company, obviously, in the French fashion industry. And I'm sure that we've got a lot of listeners out there that wouldn't mind working for a larger company like that at some point.
1: Yeah. So I started my search for a job in fashion by going to the boutiques, actually, and by doing a lot of online research. So with Fashion Article Space, what I do is I write reviews and I also currently am trying to focus more on career advice because I definitely used a lot of blogging and a lot of YouTube videos to to find that career advice and then eventually prepare for interviews. But I think that for me, what really made the difference was just showing up and going to the boutique and walking around and talking to associates and even getting into this mindset of role-playing where you uh, maybe try something on or or you ask questions. And then you also just see what the difference is between one house over the other. Because at the end of the day, what is important is that you're going to be the one that's putting that dress or putting that shoe on somebody, and you're the one that's going to bring it forward to them, and you're the one that's going to give it value. So it's really important to be comfortable with what you're selling and who your client is, and just sharing that time together, because it's really that connection that makes luxury, especially luxury, so special.
0: Yeah, I think that Going to boutiques, going to places that have the luxury fashion that you're going to be working around on a day-to-day basis, whatever your position is in fashion, you're going to be either talking about or physically dealing with luxury fashion I think that it is really important to go and see that clothing up close as much as possible, as often as possible, and to touch the clothing if you can, get to know the types of fabrics, and as you said, go and try them on sometimes if you're allowed, because I don't think that it's possible to learn everything that you're going to need to know about fashion just by looking at photos on a computer screen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that your research that you can do on the computer is very important because it's important to know a little bit about the brand. And then it just helps you show that you're interested and also have talking points. But you'll be surprised that if you're talking to a client, especially established client, whether it's a Celine client or Hermes client or Chanel client or whichever brand they prefer, they know the brand already very well. So. Right. You do want to meet them with a strong level of knowledge as well, because that's really what they are there for and that's what they appreciate. And that's what makes these brands so valuable. It's their history and it is the news and the social media and <laughs> and all of the influence that goes into it. But at the end of the day, the industry really is about going into a boutique or now perhaps more online because everything is online now, considering purchasing from the online store. So you do want to be able to be ready to have those conversations with them, but also be prepared for any other situation that can arise. The clients are very interesting and we always expect the best from any brand.
0: Yeah, fashion people and people that watch the industry, fashion enthusiasts, I guess we can call them, they seem to know a (laughs) lot these days. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there are people out there like yeah, like Manic Metallic is we're a fashion media company and I feel like there are probably people out there sitting behind their computer screens watching fashion that know so much more than I do. It's crazy. And so buyers are very, very well educated these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People definitely know what they're talking about. And I think that's what's so great about it too. It's that it's not like this silent industry that's, Sort of operating on the side and nobody knows what's going on. I mean, of course, you still do have people like you'll talk to, I don't know, a very smart lawyer or a doctor, and then it's, uh, they will have no idea who Virginie Viard is at Chanel or who the two designers are at Hermès or this kind of trivia. But in the end, they do know what the product holds and what the product, just how meaningful the product is. It's something that's maybe given on special occasions. So people still are able to make the associations, but I like to call them the fashion intelligentsia. They're definitely ahead on the game.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So let's move on and talk a bit about a couple of topics going on in the industry. We just passed hot couture week. And I feel like that's one of the best hot couture weeks that I've seen in a long time. It felt like there was a lot of life to everything. Mm. It felt like designers were not afraid to be creative again. It was just amazing to see. So what were some of your favorite shows?
1: Let's see. I definitely liked the Jean-Paul Gaultier show. I think that this show really was just very impactful. And I think that there was a lot of evening wear, but this just took, I think, the idea of dressing up to a completely different and maybe even new level. It wasn't just about repeating the 1920s, circa the 2020s. It really was about like adding shape. So to me, that was perhaps one of the most impressive shows, especially that one round dress that sort of took the model in and just made a completely new silhouette out of her form. So to me, that was a, a pretty big one. Otherwise, I would say the Chanel one was really fun. I like the hats and the bow ties. Yeah. I know that not everybody liked it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Chanel is a brand that people have a very, very complicated relationship with these days, especially after that the death of Karl Lagerfeld, which is, I don't know, a few years ago, but hmm. but yeah, so Jean-Paul Gaultier, Chanel, those are two that you liked from Hot Couture Week. Now, I know that you just wrote an article on Valentino's show could you talk a bit about that and what your thoughts were on Pierpaolo's options this season
1: yes I was really surprised by the show because well first of all the press team is so nice I couldn't get an invite yet (laughs) but they were really kind to you'll get there (laughs) the material so I was more than happy to write an article on them And I really love the show. It's definitely so daring to want to take a haute couture presentation to the club. And I don't think that personally, Valentino has ever really been this going out, let's go clubbing sort of brand, especially for haute couture. So that was definitely new for them. And so just to go into the actual clothes a little bit, they had just sweeping ball gowns and really cool suiting that was very relaxed and decontracted. They also had very, very high mini skirts, and I mean, like, very high. Right. And it didn't feel as romantic as I guess it sometimes feels. It really just felt like night out in the town. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, though. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. I think it was very new. The sort of take that I took on it was, it's not really shocking me, but it's the kind of shock value that I would say, you know, maybe what if somebody were to show up? Sort of dressed uh, in their ball gown from last night for a day at the office. Like that would be pretty impressive and that would be really exciting. But I really did love their collection a lot. I think it has a lot to say about how people are dressing and not just about what they wear, but how they choose what they wear. I think that overall people right now are maybe dressing a little bit more casually. So to really bring couture to the club, especially because you can go out with your friends or even who knows with your colleagues. I just think that it has just so much to say about how we dress and where we dress a certain way.
0: Right. My favorite thing about that show was just the energy that it brought. I felt like it was very youthful, very energetic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like hot couture, depending on what house that we're talking here, it can be a very staid type of fashion. It doesn't Mm -hmm. shock that much. It's usually very beautiful, very elegant. But I feel like this one just had so much youth and energy, but it did maintain a level of elegance along with that. So I really liked it.
1: Yeah, I think it was definitely a daring show, but maybe that's what made it such a good show.
0: Definitely. So you're based in Paris right now, and you've lived in New York, you've lived in Florida. So you've lived in a couple of places in the United States and obviously came from Peru. Could you... If you had to compare New York's fashion scene to Paris's fashion scene, how would you say that they're similar and how are they different?
1: Um, that's a really good question. So I've actually had it be told to me, and I think it's a really good point, that people in New York tend to have great, great style. And people in Paris are really fashionable.
0: Oh, could you explain that?
1: Um, I think that people in Paris are going to maybe still be perhaps a little bit more not, I don't want to say conservative, but tend to stick to more codes. More classic. There are parts in Paris where it'll be very bourgeois and very classic, but there are also parts that are going to be a little bit more edgier and a little bit more daring. But I think that in New York, you just feel more stylish we're not necessarily feel more stylish, but I think that people just, it's just a different layout. It's a bigger city. You know, people will be surprised. Paris is actually a very small city in comparison to how sprawling New York is and not just Manhattan, but, you know, all of Queens and Brooklyn, and the Bronx. Yeah. I definitely think that there is that sense of French fashion that's very core to Paris. Whereas in New York, you do have more diversity with clothing. And you do have more options because it's not just the French designers, but it's also a lot of up-and-coming designers that are not necessarily so big yet here. But for example, I watched the movie the other day and I saw a Marine Serre top being worn by an actress in a movie, and I was shocked that oh marine sarah okay. was already in the states <laughs> so oh, she's pretty big here yeah? that,
0: that mood pattern is very very popular here okay yeah i think that it was popularized by a few musicians i mean the ones that popularized it escaped me but yeah it's pretty well known you wouldn't
1: believe it okay I haven't been back in about a year or so. I've definitely missed out on a lot of good street style. No, in New York, I think that you feel so powerful when you're walking in Manhattan. And, you know, people wear hats in New York. People wear cowboy hats. You don't necessarily see that here. And I would say that the cowboy hat to a New Yorker is like the stockings to a Parisian. Parisian women love their stockings, even in the cold.
0: <laughs> okay, so wait, cowboy hats and New Yorkers are a big thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, when I see it, I, I it's one of the first things that I notice. Yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, I'm in New York pretty often, and I just that went right over my head. But that's really interesting, though. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I see them in the fall or when it's cold. Like I, people love their cowboy hat, and I don't mean you know because of politics or whatever. I just think that it's part of that Western american aesthetic that is very obvious i think when you're not living there full-time like it just makes a statement to see
0: right i got you i mean i definitely believe you i just i haven't seen it and i'm gonna have to buy myself a cowboy hat now for the next time i'm in the city so that i can fit in
1: (laughs) yeah i'll have to get one too
0: so we talked about myspace earlier myspace facebook things like that
1: Yeah. yeah
0: i noticed that for fashion articles space some time back, maybe like a few months or so, I noticed that you got to do an interview with Panan Besivik of I Deserve Ketir Frame, which I think is really interesting. So yeah, congratulations on getting that interview.
1: Oh, thank you. It was really exciting. It was a great time and he was kind enough to stay with me for three hours. Oh, wow. Three <laughs> hours.
0: You guys put the whole day together.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it was a really fun time. And he obviously knows a lot. I think the way that he got started was just by sitting in front of a camera for hours and hours and just reading a book and commenting on it. So I think that somebody that takes such a consulting path into the industry definitely shows that they have a lot to say. And he certainly does that. And I know that his fans love.
0: Right. And I know that Hanan is another industry switcher like yourself, like myself, actually came from hospitality and now he's basically blown up all over social media. I yeah. think that I think people like the memes. I think they see him as relatable. And mm. so that leads yeah. me then to, to my next question. So with this advent of social media commentators such as Hanan, I know he gave a title to himself, I believe, like a commentator. Yeah. Do you think that fashion journalists are even relevant anymore since we're pretty deep into the era of commentating online?
1: Yeah. Um, from my perspective, it's also how I function. If I watch a movie. I don't want to just know what I'm thinking or what the person that I'm watching the movie with is thinking. I want to know what the New York Times is thinking about it or the New Yorker or the Atlantic. I love criticism in the sense that it's thought out and that it's studied. So I think that both work really close together. And that's really what forms the ecosystem. I don't think that in 20 years, we're going to Necessarily be looking back at what one influencer is saying versus another influencer. I think that they will have definitely been a big part of that conversation. But I'm interested also in what the record will show in 20 years of what the New York Times or Vogue or Harper's Bazaar said about a certain moment in time. And to me, that's what's special about journalism and commentating is not necessarily, of course, it's saying what is important today, but just first of all, that the mark that that will leave. And then second of all, I think that there's also just a different level of respect for people that are veterans in the industry that can send a newsletter out and of course cost conversations, but also be part of that seniority that is respected amongst the industry. And I'm talking, you know, maybe CEOs or VPs at companies, et cetera, they definitely continue to add value. And I think that it's important to have those two because without one, the conversation of the other is irrelevant. And that's where we've gotten to fashion, in my opinion, is just to bring in more voices. But I don't think that the journalist is dead.
0: I am very relieved to hear that because I'm no veteran of the industry just yet. But it's good to know that what I'm doing is not in vain. Journalism is still alive.
1: Yeah, of course it is. At least I hope it is because, you know. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so... Give us something that right now that you're working on, whether that's in the realm of fashion, that's exciting you, whether that's work that you're doing with Celine or fashion article space or anything else not having to do with either one, like what's something that's got you really excited about fashion?
1: Um, so it's definitely, so I, I do love my work at Celine and I love going into the office, but I think that this year I'm turning 30 so I'm a little bit... Oh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you.
0: Welcome to the decade.
1: <laughs> thank you. And I've been very nervous about that and I've been very nervous about what it's going to be to turn 30. So I think that what my goal is, is to start taking pictures and to keep writing, of course, but just to start working with the camera. So I think I'm definitely going to start being more and uh, maybe outside of the shows and just traveling with the camera so that my travels are... I guess more interesting or I can just dive into things that I've never really dove in into. Okay. And yeah, no, I, I would love to publish a book uh, in maybe another 10 years. Who knows? It's a little early to say, but yeah, I think it's going to be taking pictures and definitely watching street style more.
0: Okay. Now, if you published a book, what would it be about?
1: So that's the thing. And that's also <laughs> how I worked with fashion article space. I studied business and I've never come up with a business plan. I've only just written and written and written, so I don't know. But That's
0: okay. You've got time to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I would like to see just a little bit of how time passes and just get a little bit of the best styles. And, and definitely, if anybody comes to Paris, definitely what's going on in the Left Bank and Saint-Germain-des-Prés and bourgeois culture and, and all of the fancy people in the cafes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's certainly a lot to see in Paris, especially a couple of times that I went there. I've always come away a lot more inspired than I did when I got there. So you want to get into photographing. I recently decided the same thing. Got a new camera on my wedding day off of my registry. So What, What
1: kind of camera, if I can ask?
0: So it is a Canon and... Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the exact kind, but I brought it up though, because if you want any advice for a camera to get, I could maybe send that model over to you. And also I just bought this Udemy Udemy course that is supposed to be pretty comprehensive with photography because I want to start taking a few of Manic Metallic's photos myself and get off the iPhone. So I've done that a little bit already, gone to a couple of fashion shows We took the camera over to Europe when we went on our honeymoon and I got some fashion photos there as well. So I could send you that Udemy course if you
1: want. Yes, please. Any information that has to do with the camera right now, I'll be happy to read. Just because I personally also have been just trailing along with my iPhone and and I definitely want to just know more about that. And as of the moment, I'm lost with anything that has to do with the camera. So I'll gladly take your advice.
0: All right. We're getting towards the end here, but not quite. If you could look at the fashion industry right now and think, wow, I would really like the industry to head in this direction. I'd really like to see this thing or that thing happen. What direction would you like to see fashion head in over the next year, a couple of years or so?
1: Okay. Hmm, that's a really good question. I tend to see fashion as something that can be also useful to comment on politics and the things that are going on. So in that sense, I would love to see a really smart, but also very fulfilling, just really cool t-shirt brand (laughs) Um, with with really cool sayings and very good cotton and something that's thoughtfully cut. So I would love to see a really good t-shirt brand. I I saw one cool t-shirt that I didn't grab that I should have. That said, optimism in it, and it was the really perfect blue. And so that and then I guess I don't know. I definitely enjoy seeing when young people and I'm still young, but I guess I don't feel young anymore. But I definitely like growing up. And and I do think I like dressing up. And I do think that uh, that not a lot of people just really dress up anymore. I think that people have this like very artistic vibe going on right now, which I find really cool. But I asked myself what it would be like if people started to dress up again. And, you know, when I moved to New York, I was wearing ties to going to a bar. And I don't think <laughs> Oh, wow. That's devoted. That anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I miss the days of people dressing up. I think that. There have been some positive developments to come out of streetwear. I feel like it has had a democratizing effect on fashion. It's brought more people into the industry, but I feel like at the same time, it has taken away people's motive to dress up and get some nicer stuff on, like a good suit and tie, a good tailored dress. So it would be nice if we could come back to a more happy medium.:
1: Yeah, I agree or. What I used to call, uh, what I still call is just having a staple in your outfit, something that just brings everything together. Just having that staple that you can rely on and that adds value to your every look. You know, figuring out a palette that works for you. I personally tend to stick maybe a little bit too much with browns and denim. So I certainly will be looking to switch that up a little bit this year.
0: Okay, since we're talking about fashion and your personal style, I admittedly know less than 0% about men's fashion. And I feel like that's a blind spot of mine, and I would like to learn more about menswear. So what are a couple of the latest trends for what men are wearing right now?
1: Sure. So at Celine, we do a lot of the sort of rock and roll, biker, leather jacket with studs. We also had a really great collection with chains on blazers that will cost you a car. (laughs) But I think that I love, I mean, what I think that guys wear right now a lot is chinos. People love chinos and people love just like a sweater.
0: Oh, my husband wears chinos. Yeah,
1: chinos are such a good, a perfect staple, you know, for like a casual sneaker and chinos look. I think that you can elevate the look with leather shoes and definitely consider the leather. You know, you have soft calfskin leather versus maybe like Adidas leather. So that's one thing to consider. I think that jackets are like a Prince of Wales pattern jacket is just beautiful on anybody. Okay. So working with uh, those checks and those soft browns and dark browns and creams, I know that GQ, like it was three years ago, I think said that highlighter dressing was back. So like a highlighter orange or yellow, I don't think it's so much the case in Paris that people are dressing in highlighter colors anymore. But I know that that was one that sort of passed its season. But I definitely think that a hard shoe is important. It's great to be casual, but I think that especially with people going into the office, is really getting out of that working from home outfit and really differentiating between what you wear at home and sometimes showing up to the office in something that is meaningful and makes a statement and says, I'm powerful and I dress well and I'm here to do my work and collaborate. I think that that's one of the most important trends and it adds balance to your every day. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a good cardigan at work will also, will also do the task.
0: Okay. Yeah, I am a champion of work from home. I have a hard time getting anyone to pull me out of my home for anything, unless it's a fashion event or to go to a coffee shop. But I believe that we do need to get out of the comfort mindset from the pandemic. Now, I wholeheartedly agree with being comfortable, but I do think that we've got to just balance out what we wear.
1: Yeah. What is really hard to find in Paris, believe it or not, is so, American men and also American women love a front pocket in their shirt, and it, it, front pockets are not so big in Paris. That's definitely something I miss a good front pocket.
0: You know, something else that I noticed when Ben and I were getting ready to get married back in May, we were looking for a really good button down shirt in the United States with French cuffs. And come to find out that it's actually not that easy to find a good French cuff shirt in the United States unless you go to super higher end brands. But then once we went to our honeymoon over in Europe, we were in Vermont. There are French cuff shirts, I feel like, everywhere. Do you find that to be the case?
1: Um, <laughs> Wait, I, I'm actually not great with cuffs, I guess. So what is a French cuff?
0: So I will... Again, it's menswear, so I'm going to try my best to explain it. It's basically just a men's button-down shirt that, instead of at the sleeve of it, you know, it has, like, a normal button. Instead of having that, it has a cuff, and then you can put cufflinks in
1: it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so wow. I guess that's a function of Europe being a more dressy place, and, you know, it was just easier to find that over there than it is over here. So
1: I think that this idea of men wearing cufflinks it's, it's definitely in the more traditional, even ceremonial part of the spectrum. It's what somebody with a very high managing position, for example, on Wall Street might wear, or an attorney, somebody that really needs to show that there's been thought put into their cuff, whether if it's right. to go into the courtroom or to go into a partner's meeting or a ceremony. I don't think that, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that people wear cufflinks very much, But when there is a cufflink, I think that you can really dress it up. I mean, you can get a cufflink that's like a little plane or like a little, I don't know, like a little soccer ball or like a little martini glass or something funny. I think that if you're going to go with a cufflink, it's either just going to look very classic and just function or it should be something that you can add a spin to.
0: All right. I'm gonna try to find like a women's shirt.
1: <laughs> You it's should. Like, that would be really exciting.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that exists, but I think it'd be like a really cool fashion thing if it did.
1: Yeah, no, and you know, I've read in the New York Times that shirting is coming back on the women's front, so
0: all right, so you've given a lot of advice in a podcast, but give us one more piece of advice for our listeners, for those wanting to join the fashion industry or otherwise be involved in fashion. Like, what would you tell a person in that position?
1: Yeah, I mean, aside from obviously going to the boutique and feeling like you're a part of the house, and before you're joining the house, you know, visit the house. Don't wait for validation from anybody. Fashion is a business, so you should be open to criticism and feedback. It would build a team. It's also a very social industry, and there is an access for that. If you want to work at a brand and work in social media, then you can do that. But I think that the most important thing is really, and it sounds very elementary, but it is to follow your passion. If your friend doesn't want to go to the museum exhibit, and you need to go because it's research and, and it's content, then you should do that. And just always remember that you have to know what the client is in this for. And that if you are in a completely different field, do not ever undermine the power of pivoting your career towards what you really want to do.
0: Yeah, I know that pivoting can be hard for people. It can be intimidating to just make that switch, but just think of the alternative. Yeah. You won't be in the industry, you won't be happy, so.
1: Yeah, and I always also tell people, and I've done this myself, is use the tools, reach out to people on LinkedIn, message HR recruiters, send people messages on Instagram, influencers, etc. And just make sure that little by little, you're working towards that goal that you see yourself in.
0: Really good advice. So we're at the end now. And one thing that I like to ask all of our guests is to give us three recommendations. That could be boutiques or concept stores or a fashion designer that we should know about. Give us three recommendations for people visiting your current city or town. And in, in your case, that would be Paris.
1: Um yeah, sure. Let's see. I think that if you are visiting Paris, I would advise you, well obviously to go into a boutique and hopefully it's gonna be Celine. We have quite a few here <laughs> in Paris. And, um, and yeah, if you're there, check out the collection. Also, if you're in Paris, I recommend that you go to the Left Bank by Saint-Germain-des-Prés and have a coffee there or a glass of wine. That would be two. And then number three, I guess, is, yeah, just get dressed up for an evening out.
0: All right, everybody. That was Kevin on our podcast. Thanks so much for being on. Now, do you have anything that you'd like to plug for people listening? Any websites, any social medias that you want to send us over to?
1: Yeah, definitely. So come check out my writing on fashionarticlespace.com. And then you can also find me on social media on Instagram, fashionarticlespace. And then I will be posting more photos and more reviews and making more visual content this year. And yeah, and I hope to keep doing stuff like this. And if you need any more career advice, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. Sometimes I'm a little bit slow at responding, but I try to respond to everybody that sends me a message.
0: Yeah, I'm sure everybody really appreciate that. Just having someone to ask advice to because you wouldn't believe it, but a lot of people just don't have that. So it's a really generous thing to offer to be that person if people just have a question or two to bounce off of.
1: Yeah, sure. Definitely reach out. All
0: right. Thanks for being on the podcast, Kevin,
1: and yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. If you got value out of today's episode, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to the Manic Metallic podcast. Be sure to tell all of your fashion-inclined friends and co-workers about the podcast as well. This would really help us to spread our message about fashion being an art, discipline, and force for societal change. And don't forget to stay in touch with us by subscribing to the Manic Metallic newsletter and following us on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to us through either of those I'd love to hear from you. I'll link these all
1: in the show notes. You're the best. See you next episode.